Go thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. All right, hey everybody. Happy day to you. Glad that you're here. I am your sweet and lovable host, Stacey Lynn Harp. And today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at part three of my ongoing series. I don't know how long the series is going to be, but it's going to be a while. I can already tell you that. This is called The Marketing of Homosexuality to America, part three. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to look at the t- how, they, how they used the tactic of conversion. And I have to tell you that when you hear this, you're again, you're going to want to share this out with everybody because it's something that you're not going to hear in your church. I guarantee that, first of all. And you're certainly not going to hear um, it in the mainstream media, even though they're the ones who have largely um, did this tactic. So just so you know. All right, so in case you don't know, we are heard on Periscope. So I want to say hi to some people on Periscope. Let's see here if I can see you. I see Melanie, and I see Dan Soul Searcher. I see Kyle. I know other people are just coming in. We're also heard over on our Facebook page at Bible News Radio over there. Hi, Mia. And also on YouTube. We are also archiving the audio of this show over on Anchor, Bullhorn, Spreaker, iTunes, and a whole bunch of other places. I think there's at least a dozen platforms where you can hear the audio of our show. So if you're not subscribed to the audio podcast, just check out one of those places and then download it and go ahead and make a review of the show if you don't mind. Actually, at the end of the show, we always ask you to review iTunes. Also, I want to remind you, you can text me directly by joining my text list. Yeah, you can. Text Bible News to 33222 and uh, I'll get your message. Tell me your name when you text me, though. All right? When you sign up, say, hey, this is who it is. That way I know. Okay. Because I, I don't know. <laughs> Otherwise. <laughs> so, uh, so what we're going to do today is I'm going to jump in right here at the top of the show with a little bit of a review of the first uh, episodes that we talked about in case you're somebody new. And then we're going to take a little bit of a break and I'm going to jump into the topic of conversion. Uh, But of course, I have to thank my beloved Bareface for uh, being the guy who is going to be showing you the slides that we put together earlier today. That's me. So that is Bareface. And she put the slides together. Yes. Mostly. You put them together. I'm just going to show them. You're going to show them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, and I'm going to open up Facebook over here and say hi to somebody if I can see it. I have to wait for you guys until me, till that. Hey, there's Beth there. How you doing, my friend? And also Darren. Good. You guys are going to love this, okay? So you, you're really going to, I don't know if this is just going to keep making you mad or <laughs> if you're going to walk away going, oh, I'm so glad Stacy's doing this for us so we can see inside that book. Okay, I'm just going to put here on air, and then you guys on Facebook can join us. Okay. All right, so let me begin, though, by reading from God's Word, okay? Because Romans chapter 8 is, and, and there's a reason I'm reading this, um, is it, it talks about our victory in Christ. And just so you know, I know that there's some of some others, Stephen and Marlene, you came in and I think there's probably some others too. If I, if, and Sylvia, hey, there you are. If I don't see you or acknowledge you, don't be offended. I'm going to be trying to read a whole lot here during this show. Uh, and I'll, I'll try to, to say hi if I see you. Okay. It's nothing personal, just so you know. There's Mama Gina, too. Okay. All right. So Romans chapter 8, verse 26, and I'm going to read a couple of verses here. It says, In the same way that the Spirit helps our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. 
And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know this. Uh, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the for firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who, who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Uh, who, will bring a, who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake, we are being put to death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. All right. So this is a famous passage, and there's so much here I could just pull out. I could do a whole Bible study. I could do the whole show on this, okay? But I'm not going to. I want to pull out verse 29, and I want to show you something. Because you'll understand it as we get through this presentation today. So in verse 29, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son, so that... He would be the firstborn among many brethren, okay? So I want you to keep this in your mind. And the main part I want you to focus on is the part where it says that he predestined us to become conformed to the image of his son, of Yeshua, our, our Lord, our King, our Master, right? So the image you know, we are, we as followers of Yeshua are being conformed to the image of Jesus, of Yeshua. And so keep that in your mind as we go through this, because the, the world has a completely different idea of whose image we should be conformed to. And believe me, when you see this, you're going to go, oh my gosh, this is so irritating to me. Um, or at least I did. Okay, so let's go ahead and begin our quick review here, The Marketing of Homosexuality to America. Again, this is based on the book called After the Ball, which I have right here. This is an actual copy. I know some of you are now desiring a copy of this. Uh, good luck getting it unless you want to spend lots of money. Uh, but this is the book. It's called After the Ball, How America Will Conquer Its Fear and Hatred of Gays in the 90s by Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen. So a quick review. Uh, and I don't know if we're on or yet, if you can. Okay, quick review. Okay, the very, in the first uh, um, class, I guess, we did on this in, in part one, uh, we talked about desensitization. And if you're new, good, you're getting a little quick review here. So desensitization, hard for me to say, is actually um, defined this way in the book. Uh, novelties cease to be novel if they just stick around long enough, Right. And with a rank odor smelled upon entering a room, if you can't get rid of it, you eventually cease to smell it. It's kind of like I gave this example before about, you know, if you have a cat and you have a litter box and it's dirty and you live with the cat all the time, you're not going to smell the odor like somebody new who, who actually, um, you know, would be coming into the house. I, my, I go to my brother's house and it, you know, I can totally smell his animals, but he doesn't get it because he's there all the time. So it's the same thing with the desensitization. And so here is the big definition that they gave in the book. This is what it says. It says, if gays present themselves 
or allow themselves to be presented as overwhelmingly different and threatening, they will put straights on a triple thread, a triple red alert, driving them to over acts of political oppression or physical violence. If, however, gays can live alongside straights, visibly, but as inoffensively as possible, they will arouse a low-grade alert, only which, thought annoying to straights, will eventually diminish for purely uh, physiological reasons. Straights will be desensitized. So, of course, in this, in this context, we know that a straight person is somebody who's a heterosexual person and has heterosexual, same, you know, heterosexual desires. Uh, so... That, that's pretty clear. I'm, you guys are all smart. You know that. Okay, so that was the first tactic was desensitization. The second tactic is jamming. And when we looked at jamming uh, last week, uh, which was actually, I got a lot of good feedback on this. And by the way, feel free at any time to email me feedback or text it or tweet me or leave it on Facebook because I want to hear what you think. And if there's anything in this that confuses you uh, at any time, let me know, okay? Okay, so jamming, the author talks about how jamming has two main effects, which happen to be the following, okay? Uh, he wrote, jamming is unpleasant because it creates emotional dissonance and it results in an alteration of previous beliefs and feelings so as to resolve the internal conflict. So the whole idea of jamming is basically to, to make you feel emotionally confused. It's a, it's a very em emotional <laughs> tactic, Right? So that's the first part. And he goes on to say, where an optimal resolution doesn't occur, the internal dissonance will tend to inhibit over-expression of the prejudicial emotion, preju prejudicial emotion uh, which is in itself useful and relieving. So basically he's saying here that, you know what, if, even if they still remain a bigot, and he uses the word bigot to refer to people who oppose homosexuality, even if they, they remain a bigot, guess what? It will inhibit them from actually being outspoken about it. You know, and again, I go back to my, my uh, friend who's a, philo, a fellow Messianic Jew and broadcaster as well, Audrey Russo, who actually on her show all the time talks about how, you know what, you are silencing yourself when you, you don't actually speak out. You don't say what you think or believe, right? You know, hey, if I don't like chocolate, guess what? I'm going to tell you I don't like chocolate. I have no fear of that. But, you know, if all of a sudden chocolate became all the rage and chocolate had to be in everything and it was put and it was marketed to you in an intentional way to make you love chocolate even though you hated chocolate, you might be a little bit fearful of mentioning how much you hate it. You know, and so you might just kind of, eh, you know, no, I won't, I won't mention it today. But maybe tomorrow I will. But I'm not sure, because I keep seeing all these great images of chocolate, even though I can't stand it. You know what I'm saying? So that's what they did. He goes on to say here, make them feel shame. The goal is to make the bigot feel shame for their belief that homosexuality is wrong, unnatural, and deviant. By the way, that was my wording, not the books. This was not a quote from the book. It was, a, you know, my, my summary of the book. Uh, and then he says here, and this is a quote, um, this can be accomplished in a variety of ways, all making use of repeated exposure to pictorial images or verbal statements that are incompatible with his self-image as a well-liked person, one who fits in with the rest of the crowd. All right, so there's that. Again, who doesn't want to be liked and loved, right? We all do. But this whole marketing of homosexuality to America was designed to attack the person who opposes homosexuality and then make them feel bad for opposing homosexuality. This next slide, no facts needed. Absolutely no facts needed. As stated on page 153, it says here, our effect is achieved without reference to facts, logic, or proof. If you don't get anything out of this presentation at all, this is the slide I want you to copy. I want you to screenshot. I want you to handwrite it down because this is the core of this book. This is the message. No facts are needed in the marketing of homosexuality to America. None. 
In fact, he says it blatantly that their effect is achieved without reference to facts, logic, or proof. <laughs> you cannot get any clearer than that. So, in review, remember that this is about propaganda. Okay? No facts are needed. Logic isn't used. There's no proof whatsoever. Okay? It's all emotive, and it's all a psychological manipulative tactic to sway the masses, which is what we're going to talk about today. And I, I just want to bring this, this home because as a Christian, I have to tell you, as a Christian, we get accused all of the time of believing in a fairy tale, of not having any proof for what we actually believe. And, you know, of being stupid and illogical and like, well, we don't, you know, we don't have a scientific brain, you know, and all these other things. All the things that we actually get accused of um, are completely untrue. I mean, we do have logic behind us. We do have reason behind us. We have the facts behind us. Jesus rose from the dead, right? I mean, everybody who sincerely has tried to, uh, uh, you know, uh, discredit or disprove the resurrection of Jesus Christ hasn't if they are really serious and they're really looking at the evidence because the evidence is there. He rose from the dead. And that is the basis and the foundation of my faith in Jesus Christ. He is alive. He rose from the dead. He's the only person in the world who ever claimed to be God who proved it, who actually proved it, right? So we are the ones that walk in the truth. We are the ones who know the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. And we know this, right? We have the Bible. It's holy. That's why the Bible is always under attack, because it's true. And this, though, I know. God cannot lie. You know, he doesn't set himself up to be a liar. He cannot lie. But those who oppose God... They do lie, and they live in the darkness, right? So I just want you to know that when we're looking at this book, After the Ball, I just saw somebody ask the name of the book, How America Will Conquer Its Fear and Hatred of Gays in the 90s. Everything that you see in this slide presentation, unless I say I just paraphrased it, is an exact quote from this book, page number cited, from two homosexual activists who were, who were activists and persuasion experts in marketing. All right? I'm literally telling you what they said. I'm going to show it to you. And I just want you to know this is what I'm telling you is the truth about how they lied about homosexuality to America. All right. Uh, but before I do that, I want to say hi to some people that came in. So I see uh, Pastor Garrett came in and I saw you also sh uh, share it out too. So thank you for doing that. Uh, uh, Marlene is here. Uh, Diane came in. Jonathan's here. Uh, let's see who else did I see that came in. Mustafa's back. Uh, Tareen, I don't know if that's, I don't know if I said that right. Kyle, Lisa, thank you guys for coming in. And I don't know if there's anybody else over on Facebook. A couple of people, I think. I can't see anybody. Though, let's see here. Um, I suppose I could, okay, I see Beth is still watching. I show four people watching. But anyway, if you're on Facebook, sorry if I don't say your name because I don't see it. But um, thanks for tuning in. And, of course, I also uh, want to remind you uh, that our sponsor, Ariel Ministries, uh, is, uh, you know, they, they underwrite our show. And uh, I want you to support them because they support us. Uh, they have great sales going on all the time because of Bible News Radio. You get to save 20% on anything in the store. In fact, uh, today I think I'll tell you about this commentary here. This is uh, the Ariel's commentary on the Messianic Jewish Epistles nice hardback book. You hear that, right? And uh, let's see, this is of Hebrews, James, 1st, 2nd Peter, and Jude. So all these are super great, you know, super great uh, uh, books to read. You can save 20% when you go to our, is this on our website? I can't remember. No, not yet. Okay. Well, anyway, you can go to our website. You can look at the different resources we have there. But just make sure when you go to ariel.org, you can you use the coupon code Bible News when you save uh, when you buy anything because you'll save twenty percent. Also, um, there's a Bible study on there, right? Is it the Gentile one? Uh, yes, that's okay. correct. <laughs> I'm going by memory. Okay, so yeah, so the Gentile one that's free. Uh, you can go to our website, download it. Um, 
it's uh, what is it? Why God is saving Gentiles? Why is God saving Gentiles today? Okay, that's cool. So you can download that for free um, and do that. And then, of course, there's also Bullhorn. It's linked there also on our page. Uh, Get Bullhorn. It's a mobile app. We're also on there. You can uh, follow Bible News Radio uh, on Bullhorn and get the audio of our show. And sometimes we go ahead and we put up other stuff. Are you actually still putting up your devotions over there? Uh, Not lately. Okay. All right. So we want to do that. I also wanted to remind you, if you like what we're doing... And you want to support our show by being a pillar of the community. Uh, we really use, we could really use your, your funds, okay? I mean, we are here every day. If you're here every day, please donate to the show and support what we do. Um, and be a pillar of the community. You can give whatever amount you want over there at our website. And if you want to help underwrite our, um, our trip to the Prophecy Conference in October, uh, we still need probably about $1,300 to go to that so we would appreciate any donation you can put towards that because when we are on the road uh we are going to be doing like probably i don't know i'm going to try to do i'm, I'm going to try to interview every speaker there and there's like 30 speakers so uh so we're going to be bringing a lot of fun stuff back uh and hopefully doing a little bit of live streaming way we are there so that's just a couple of our announcements and then of course if you uh want to learn more about Legal Shield or ID Shield, uh, feel free to get in touch with me after the show. Um, I am super excited. I did, I actually got a call this morning. Well, first I got up this morning and uh, got a text message from uh, my upline who congratulated me first thing in the morning on uh, on achieving manager. Uh, so I have been advanced to manager and that's because you guys actually um, support what we do here with Legal Shield. And so thank you all for that. appreciate you, your support there. Um, and then it was about an hour, maybe two hours later, actually the corporate office, Legal Shield called me up and they thanked me. They congratulated me, which was super cool. What other company does that seriously? What other direct sales company actually reaches out to their associates when they make an advancement? That's, that's super cool. I just have to tell you, that really, uh, that really impressed me. I remember when I was with Avon, they sent me a, a water bottle. <laughs> That was, here, have some water. <laughs> anyway, Legal Shield is, they're an awesome company. So, uh, so I was super happy about that. And I want to thank all of you guys for supporting my work with that. Uh, and again, if you want to know anything or I can help you understand more what the services are, let me know. Um, I, if you're interested in joining my team, I also want to talk to you and tell you what's involved. I don't want you to get involved uh, as a team member on my team and not know what you're actually getting into and uh and all that so just hit me up after the show uh in any way super you know social media however and i will get in touch with you all right concerning that all right so let's get back to this now if you just joined us i am stacy Lynn harp your sweet lovable host here of bible news radio and today we're on part three of my series i've titled the marketing of homosexuality to america and the tactic we're going to look at today is conversion Now, as a Christian, when I saw the word conversion, my first thought was, ooh, this is going to be interesting because what are they they trying to convert us to? Well, obviously, their worldview, which is that homosexuality is all good all the time and that it should be thoroughly embraced, celebrated, and everybody in the world should be gay. Okay? I mean, that's, that's the truth. That's what they're trying to convert me to. As a Christian, though, like I read you in Romans 8:29, we are we are called to be conformed to the image of Christ. And when we go out and we evangelize for the gospel, our goal is to convert people so that they can become like Jesus who was the only person in the world who was ever perfect. Right? He was holy, just, good, perfect. So the role of the Christian is to convert people to holiness. To follow the one that was true and holy and is. The role of the homosexual activist who wrote this book is actually to threaten people and to bully them into to believing what they want them to believe. And let's look at this, okay? This quote coming off from one page 153. The, the author writes, By conversion, we actually mean something far more profoundly threatening to the American way of life without which no truly sweeping social change can 
occur. Okay, just listen to that. Just, I mean, just listen to the, the language of that. By conversion, we actually mean something far, far more profoundly threatening to the American way of life. Why would it be threatening? I mean, isn't conversion a good thing? Is when somebody's being converted to Jesus, is that a threat? No, it's actually good for society. This here, on the other hand, they're saying it's more profoundly threatening to the American way of life without which no truly sweeping social change can occur. goes on to say, we mean conversion of the average American's emotions, mind, and will through a planned psychological attack in the form of propaganda fed to the nation via the media. All right, this is on page 153 of this book. Again, let me say this just so you can hear it again. He goes, we mean conversion of the average American's emotions, mind, and will. Okay, let's look at the word average. First of all, he means the average. So what is the average American? Is the average American a couch potato? Potato is the average American, (laughs) you know, are they sitting behind TV, you know, and they're having, you know, they're being sucked into the vortex. Do they read? Are they thinkers? You know, I mean, the average American uh, is literally, their literacy rate is probably fourth, fifth grade, if that. It might even be lower now because Americans have been dumbed down. So in the 80s, when this was written in the mid-80s, this author said, "We, we basically want the conversion of the average American. We want their emotions converted. We want their mind and their will. But this is how we're going to do it, through a planned psychological attack in the form of propaganda fed to the nation via the media. He goes on to say, put briefly, if desensitization lets the watch run down and jamming throws sand in the works, conversion actually reverses the spring so that the hands run backward. Right. So, uh, so this is this is interesting to me because you know we were talking about this before, and I think Randall actually addressed this quite a bit when he was when we're talking about the whole process. If you have a watch, you know, first we're going to desensitize them by slowing them down, and then we're going to throw sand into the watch and jam up the gears, and then conversion. Basically, we're going to make the watch run backwards, and it is. It is running backwards. That's what that was their goal. So what was their ultimate goal? They want to create the image. And this part what I did was I actually um I actually quoted him, but I also kind of tried to paraphrase it too, because there was a lot in the in the book on this. So the idea here is this creating the image. The images of the homosexual used in the conversion propaganda are designed to look like the bigot, okay? The bigot is somebody like me who opposes homosexuality. So so here, the images of the homosexual used in the conversion propaganda are designed to look like the bigot and his friends. And the image is carefully tailored to be free of absolutely every element of widely held stereotypes. All right? So note this. So the goal... To market homosexuality to America was, and they knew this, was that they wanted to make homosexuals look like just you and me. All right? So, in order to do that, they, the image must be that of an icon of normality. Okay? Which here, when I read this on page 154, I, I laughed when I read it. And the reason I laughed when I read it was because he flat out says the image must be that of an icon of normality. So by default, he's actually admitting that they are abnormal, that homosexuality or being gay is abnormal. It's not normal for most people to be homosexual, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, right? So the image has to, to project norm, normality. Like father know you know fathers knows best you know that type of thing, and interestingly I also thought about this I thought you know Robert Reed he played um, the father on the Brady Bunch right uh, Robert Reed was homosexual and I believe he died of AIDS I can't quote I'm not sure for I'm not sure for sure if that's actually the case but I do know that he was very sick he died he was a homosexual man 
But he didn't. He wasn't gay on the Brady Bunch. But that's exactly the point. The point is, is that he was acting the normal part of a heterosexual man. And in TV shows, you know, that have come, come to pass, I mean, they're in our past now, at the time this was written, you know, their whole goal was to go, okay, let's go get some, you know, homosexual guy, you know, or a character that, that, you know, that looks normal, you know, like the normal guy, not the typical stereotype, right? Because they're stereotypes for a reason, because that's how they are. That's why they're stereotypes. Anyway, so, so he goes on to say, and this is a quote, it makes no difference that the ads are lies, not to us. And when I read that, I laughed because I thought, again, here, this homosexual activist who's writing this book is actually saying, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to convert the average, you know, we're going to convert the average American's emotions, mind and will through a planned psychological attack in the form of propaganda fed, fed to the nation via the media. All right. So. He goes on to say here, uh, so in presenting the propaganda in advertising, um, they, they admit that it's a lie. Actually, I wrote that. So they admit that it's a lie, and then they go on to say, and this is a quote, quote, transfer the positive emotion associated with the picture to the label, which is the label, uh, the label is being gay itself, not immediately replacing the negative response, but definitely weakening it. Okay, so you know this type, this thing takes some time. So basically, he was he was laying this out, right? He goes into a little bit of more detail in the book, but he basically says, "Look, we're gonna put out those good images, and they're gonna feel super good about looking at that image because it's gonna look like them, and they can't hate themselves." So they're actually going to begin to go, oh my gosh, the image here, that's good. And then they're going to take that good thought, because the thought comes quicker when it's associated with an image. This is the whole psychological brainwashing. And then unconsciously, they're going to start to think, gay is good, gay is good, gay is good, gay is good. And they're going to see that image, they're going to think gay. Ooh, that's good. And that's how they get converted. And that's exactly what they've done. They've done it to it. They've done it. It's been, it's brilliant how they've done it. Um, I was telling Randall, I said, this is completely brilliant. It's brilliant marketing. They knew exactly what they were doing. So he goes on to say here, uh, in conversion, we mimic the natural process of stereotype learning with the following effect. We take the bigots good feelings about uh, all right guys and attach them to the label gay either weakening or eventually replacing his bad feelings towards the label and prior stereotype. So basically just what I just said, you know. So they they have that image. They put gay to it. That's what you see, you know. Just like a little baby duck is imprinted on his mom when he's born. You know, he imprints. That's exactly what the media has done. And that's what these guys did intentionally. It was a all-out frontal attack on America. And they've done it, right? This was their plan. They, did, they actually did it. So he goes on to say, in jamming, the target is shown a bigot being rejected by his crowd for his prejudice against gays. So that's one image, right? We talked about that before. In conversion, the target is shown his crowd actually associating with gays in good fellowship. So in other words, hey, look at this great image of that gay guy. You know, he isn't the pervert committing sodomy, you know, addicted to pornography, drugs, and preying on little boys that the stereotype is. No, he's the guy next door. He works at the flower shop. No, I mean, at Legal Shield. And he's doing this, this, and this, and blah, blah. And you know what? Hey, I look at those people hanging out with him. Oh my gosh, he isn't going to die of AIDS after all. You know, I'm Try not to be funny, but at the same time, that's basically what they've tried to do. So now all your buddies are there. Can anybody see how this has worked its way actually into the church? I mean, it's very sly. It's clever. It's wryly. It's of the devil, right? Uh, he actually even uses the word in good fellowship. And I don't think that was an accident because the guy that wrote this book, there's nothing accidental about what he, what he wrote. So 
he actually also talked about, and I didn't put this in the notes because I just didn't, you know, I only had a couple hours to put this together, but he, he actually talks about how the jamming effect works hand in hand with this conversion tactic, right? You, and you get them both working. And don't, and don't forget, in our previous um, lesson on this, the whole jamming thing, he actually talked about how it would be, it would be really fun to like do that. You know, because essentially it inflicts more pain on the person, you know, who they're trying to manipulate and change, right? So he goes on to say, um, so then this chapter ends and there's like eight, nine, ten, twelve more. I mean, there's a half more book of this book, so we're going to be looking at this a while. He goes on to end, though, with this quote from Oscar Wilde. And the quote comes from what Oscar Wilde wrote in The Soul of Man Under Socialism. And if you don't know anything about Oscar Wilde, let me just tell you a little bit about him. First of all, he was a playwright. He was a poet in the 1800s. I believe it was mid-1800s. He was married, but he was also an active homosexual. And he uh, actually um, was put in jail at one point uh, for committing acts, indecent acts with another man, which would be sodomy. Um, And he spent some time in jail. And then he was actually publicly humiliated, uh, because back then they did that, um, and he wept every single day um, publicly because he was so publicly shamed for his behavior and the crime that he committed, which was against the law and was also, um, you know, something, you know, and he was, I mean, he was just a depraved, really screwed up guy. Okay, let's just say that. So this is how this guy... Uh, Marshall Kirk and Hunter Madsen end the chapter on this. He wrote this, he, he quotes this. It will be said that such a scheme is unpractical. This is perfectly true. This is why it is worth carrying out. For what is a practical scheme? Either a scheme already in existence or a scheme that could be carried out under existing conditions. But it is exactly the existing conditions that one objects to in any scheme that could accept these conditions is wrong and foolish. Now, I don't know about you, but I actually think that this is not only telling concerning the author and why he would quote a socialist and a home, you know, another homosexual, but basically they admit, I mean, this scheme is devious, you know, and it's not practical. But they want to carry it out. And how are they going to do it? They're going to do it by propaganda and manipulation. Remember, their effect is achieved without reference to facts, logic, or proof. And that's why it's hard to reason with anybody in the LGBT lobby because because it's all emotive. And the marketing that they have done to America is completely emotive and it's designed to elicit that reaction in you. It's, it's designed to basically take your normal God-given reaction to the sin of homosexuality and to convert it so that you actually come to embrace it and go, oh my gosh, this is fine. This is good. This you know, I don't know. I was feeling weird about it. Man, that's, you know, what was I thinking? You know? Because, again, peer pressure, who likes to be subjected to peer pressure, right? None of us do. And yet, I have to say that it's completely brilliant. It's brilliant. It's of the devil, satanic marketing. And they did a good job. And I, I want to hear Randall's thoughts because I want to take a drink of water. And I, All right. <laughs> And I want to hear what Randall's thoughts are. And we got about 20 minutes left, so I want to hear some of your guys' thoughts, uh, too, because this is all we're going to talk about today as far as the conversion. You guys have any questions or comments? And let Bareface talk. Well, well indeed, it's like the old uh, question, you know, does art imitate life or does life imitate art? And, well, life definitely imitates media. Uh, life imitates propaganda, you know, you we see it from children who want that new toy who'd never heard of it, but now they can't live without of it without it because they've seen the you know the commercials and the marketing's bark been marketed to them, and it works through adulthood as well and your life isn't complete if you don't have one of these things and you know you don't have this new 
this new trinket, this new widget, whatever it is, you know, you're, you're not cool if you don't have this. And, and so rather than actually, like you said, you know, peer pressure isn't, peer pressure isn't cool. We don't like to, the pressure of our peers, but rather than actually changing the mind of the peers directly, it was, it was advertised through propaganda. Oh, this is what your peers are thinking. If, if, you know, it was dramatized that if you don't accept, if you don't accept this and your peers are going to reject you, you know, for the bigot that you are. And then they, um, and then they, um, transversed whatever I don't, you know, what's the word I'm looking for, but just progressed on to now your peers and not only will reject you for not embracing this, uh, your peers are the ones that are that are totally embracing and celebrating this and love this. So you're out on your own. So there's the two forces of peer pressure. Well, if you don't accept it, your peers hate you, and and they're they're all loving it and they're all happy. And so now you're all alone in your opinion. And and like I say, without actually directly changing the mind, it's not that the populace changed that way. They presented that way it was portrayed that way in, in movies and in television and commercials and advertisements you know printed advertisements it was just you know flooding through flooding mm -hmm. <laughs> you know this this alternate reality was portrayed until life started to mimic the art and and we see where we are yeah definitely brilliant and and i know that uh, uh, sexual anarchists and the like are are quick to call conservatives Nazis, whatever. And but that's it, laid out in this book. But if you if you look at the Nazi propaganda, the late nineteen twenties, early nineteen thirties, it was very similar. Right. It's not like they actually changed the mind. The, the minds of the populace were changed through through logic and proofs and facts. The the images were portrayed that, oh, you know, if, if, you know, the cool people will embrace the fewer and this, um, you know, this, um, ideology. And if you don't embrace it, you, you, you're the odd man out because this is, you know, this is really the way society is going and, and, and it worked really there well then. And just like was said, if those who weren't converted didn't become brown shirts or, you know, uh, swastika-wearing people themselves, they, they um, with a few exceptions like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and others of the resistance, you know, most people at least censored themselves and just didn't say anything. Right. Yeah. Is that on? this thing on that thing's on yeah so it, it it's chilling to me because we are all very susceptible to brainwashing we are I, in fact yesterday i had an article i didn't read it i think we'll maybe we'll look at it tomorrow but um but you know when you are being inundated by the media especially the liberal media and you get people in positions in the liberal media who are advocating against God's purposes, that's all they're going to do is they're, you know, and it's so funny. I mean, I'm almost 50. I'm not, you know, I'm not that old, but, but I remember when I was growing up and like, I guess in high school and stuff, you know, people were talking about how evil the TV is, you know, don't, don't let your kids watch TV too much time in front of the TV, you know, it's going to warp them. You know, how many of you guys remember that? Right. And now we have a generation of kids that could that I could be the mother of, you know, who are raised from infancy, literally the baby, you know, on computers that are hooked to the internet. They could, they can get any type of deviant type of material, you know, handed them and, and they get these images from babyhood, you know, kindergarten and stuff. And like I shared in the last show we did on this, why do, why are they targeting kids? Because kids naturally will tell you the truth. You know, and we gave you the example of the whole transgendered stuff. If you see an ugly, you know, if you see a man who, you know, a man dressed as a woman, they look like a freak, right? They look, they look like a freak. They look abnormal. And a baby or child would go, oh my gosh, they, you know, they'll either scream because they're scared, right? 
because that's the normal reaction that a little kid would have. Or they'd be so curious and they'd be like, what, you know, ooh, that's like, there's something off, right? So if they can go in and normalize this stuff at at that age in their development and trick these kids, which is really easy to trick and groom a kid, then you got a generation right there who already has forgotten the truth. And just like in Josiah's day, the, the scroll was hidden with dust in the church and he was trying to find it. Hey, where, where is God's word? Oh, there it is. <laughs> let's blow this off. What does this say? You know, and let's look at that. It was found accidentally while cleaning up. Right. Um, I'd like to put Darren's comment up from yeah. Facebook. Go for it. Um, let's see here if I can get it cooperate. He's spot on. Of course, probably too small for uh, folks to read there. But this you can says, read it, though. Go for it. He says, so they have converted the American mind to normalize homosexuality, and now they are going after the only thing that could get you out of that mindset, Christianity. Yep. Go after the ability of Christians to evangelize and disciple LGBT people by passing laws such as uh, California AB 2943 and prevent us from speaking on the issue yep i'll tell you what i think god has put a hedge of protection over our show because we don't have a gazillion followers and listeners but you know what if you guys keep sharing this out more people will hear the show and they'll see it um and they need to right i mean because i'm not out here i'm not you know i'm not doing what some of my friends are doing who are like getting banned constantly on facebook they're banning people for a reason because they don't want the truth out there you know, I mean, seriously, what's so offensive about saying that Jesus changes lives or the Bible is awesome or Jesus loves you? I mean, seriously, or that God can heal you of your same-sex attraction. <gasps> Heart be still. I mean, seriously, Darren, Darren knows that personally. He is somebody who struggled with that, and now God has delivered him. He's married, has kids. You know, why is that an anathema to the world? It's not a trick question. It's a pop quiz, right? Now, if you watch us all the time, get out your pen, okay? You better know the answer to this because I say it all the time. And if you don't don't know the answer, I'm going to give you a red mark. The answer is because you're made in God's image and the devil don't like you because of it, right? Uh, he, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He is the prince of the power of the air. So that's why the, the media, the airwaves that are run by all these people and being influenced by demonic forces, it, which is the truth, you know, they don't want you to hear the gospel truth. It, it, he's so clever because he's, he has people who are out there blabbing it and grabbing it with the whole prosperity gospel, coaching everybody to salvation and not sharing the gospel that they can actually change that Jesus can actually, you know, transform your life, your mind, your spirit, your soul, save you, right? He's got that side disguised. It's counterfeit Christianity. And then he's got the blatant secular side where he's like, yeah, here we are. We're marketing the evil to everybody. And if they don't embrace it, guess what? They're the bad guy. And so you have this struggle because on the one hand, you're a Christian and you're always told, don't judge lest you be judged. Completely taken out of context. Somebody actually even wrote that in in Periscope earlier in the show. Don't judge. Christians are not supposed to judge. You know what? You don't know your Bible because Christians are to judge. You need to understand the context of that, which you clearly don't if you're just ripping that out of Matthew 7, right? We are to judge. And we are to do it rightly, you know, like a 6 8, right? God cares about justice. He cares about defending the poor, the weak, you know, the helpless, etc. Just saying, you know, it's, it's, it's drives me crazy, right? Uh, Darren says, Praise the Lord, finish the verse. I gotta look it up, right? So, Matthew 7 1, let me go look it up just so I quote it right. I know Bareface probably has it memorized. So let me let me post it in here. Hold on. You should have did it, Darren. You should have given me the whole verse. <laughs> so Matthew 7 says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eyes, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? 
Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your, your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. And it goes on, talks about prayer. So that's a lot different than uh, Christians shouldn't be judging. Well, excuse me, but why don't you read your Bible and learn it in context and then you'll understand what it says. So yeah, we're going to be judged and we are to judge rightly. And by the standard you judge, you will be measured by that, that judgment, right? That's what drives me nuts. Yeah, if, if one is condemning, you know, they will experience condemnation, divine condemnation. That is, that is, the, that is the prohibition, the admonition is not to be uh, condemning and, and fault-finding, you know, being uh, critical uh, in a, well, critical and hypocritical, like he says, you hypocrite. Um, well, but you we know, want, we want to, you know, you know, the way we judge will be judged, you know, by the same standard of measure, and so we want to judge in a way that that is that is just and right, as you said. And the bulk of the Sermon on the Mount is a a critique, if you will, of rabbinical uh, Judaism or Pharisaic Judaism, and that's yeah. We went, I went through it in detail several weeks ago. Yeah. But, you know, also the people who always throw that out, right? Always say, don't judge lest you be judged and you're not supposed to judge because you're a Christian. Do you ever, do you ever wonder if it's because they're feeling convicted? Because I think that's it. I think that the Holy Spirit convicts people and by, if if their heart isn't, uh, completely seared over and their conscience isn't completely seared, which is what Romans 1 talks about, then they actually feel that quickening and that condemnation. It's their own self-loathing and condemnation that they feel judged by. It's not somebody like me who actually is exposing what, what the marketing tactic. I'm not judging anybody. I'm just showing you the marketing, how they marketed it to you. So if you're feeling judged and you're in that sin, you might want to obey the Lord and, and repent of it. Uh, because you're feeling convicted. On the other hand, if you have already been depraved and handed over for that, then I'm sorry, you know, I mean, you're, you know, God is merciful, you can still repent. Uh, But it might be like Nebuchadnezzar and end up a couple of years eating grass and growing long fingernails. You know what I mean? Um, Don't mess with God. (laughs) You know what I mean? So uh, Darren says, there's a community that has been set free of homosexuality that have judged our own behaviors and brokenness and brought it to the Lord of life. And we have removed the speck of judgment and found love for those who are our brothers. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I think personally that what I'm doing is one of the most loving things a Christian can't be doing. And that is, as Ephesians 5.11 says, to expose the unfruitful deeds of darkness. You know, and just show you, look, they wrote this. This is what they did. Now, you know this because you've seen it. So what are you going to do about it? And will it give you courage to stand up when you are the only one in the room who isn't laughing at that joke or the only one who doesn't think that this is wrong? Are you going to, are you, are you going to stand up? I mean, I've shared, I've shared this before. I went to, uh, a Christian, two Christian universities. And when I got my master's degree, they promoted homosexuality in the cultural diversity course. And I was the only one in that course who stood up and said that homosexuals could change. Uh, I did it. My teacher actually, uh, had, he was, he had another job as a police officer and his partner was a lesbian. And, um, anyway, he, he brought that lesbian in to promote homosexuality in that course. And I actually got up, and when it was my time to speak, I stood in front of that class, and I told everybody that there were three types of homosexuality. 
there was the one where your friend who's flamboyant and gay and you can tell, you know, queer eye for the straight guy type guy. Um, then there is the homosexual activist out there who's trying to change the whole world and the one who's actually, you know, help, helping to indoctrinate the world about this. And the third type is the former homosexual. I mean, you could have heard a pin drop when I said that. And yet, I have to say, there was a uh, former missionary who worked for Wycliffe uh, translators in my class who was a lesbian when she was working for Wycliffe doing Bible translation in Africa or whatever country it was in. And she was sitting there in the class. She did not say a word. But God convicted her of her lesbianism when she was on the field. She repented of it. She ended up getting married. She was sitting there in that class, did not say a word about how Jesus changed her life. She got married. Her name's Kathy, by the way. I'm, Just so you know. I'm standing there in front of everybody and given a five-minute presentation, and uh, people are raising their hands, including the teacher. They're, like, like throwing these arrows out at me, right? And I ended up having almost a, a half-hour answer and question period, even though we were only given five minutes, because that, that much attack came against me. And I'll never forget it, and I've shared this before on previous shows. My friend Marguerite, who was who is not a Christian, in fact, she came to a Christian school for interesting reasons, but... She was not a Christian. She literally got up. She came up. She stood next to me. And she said, and I'm not going to say the exact word she said, but she actually came. She was a non-believer. She came. She stood up next to me. And she said, what the F are you guys doing attacking her? All she's doing is sharing a, a view that she actually substantiated uh, with a testimony of former lesbian. I mean, because that's what, that's what the assignment was, was to get, you know, a cultural diversity type alternate view. And, and so in a Christian school, even though there was a converted former lesbian sitting in the class, she didn't stand with me. There was a pastor in that class. He didn't stand with me. It was, a, it was somebody hostile to God who actually came up and stood next to me and yelled at everybody else and defended me. In a Christian school... <laughs> By the way, her and I are still really good friends to this day, and she does go to church now. So, um, But I have to tell you that even in the church, if you actually take this view, people are going to come against you. And, it, and you're going to be like, what the heck? You know, don't they know this info? And this is where you got to get a spine. And as my friend Vicky talks about, get, be, be a rhino. Get your thick skin on and, and be tough and just say, hey, yep, this is the way it is. You ever see this book? You see this quote? You see Bible News Radio? They actually are doing a series on this. You might want to go watch it. You know, because I'm just saying, <laughs> you know. <sighs> we shouldn't be shocked when these things happen, right? Okay. I actually saw the pastor went ahead and put a, put a scripture in here. Um, pastor Garrett wrote, to judge or not to judge, uh, 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 13. You want to bring that up? Do we have time? Do Are we almost out? We're, we're just about, our time's pretty much up, but. So here, but. let's see here. Yeah, and, and Natasha says, so just teach about traditional marriage only. They can't ding you for that. Can they? Oh, yeah, they can. <laughs> and they read the book, My Two Daddies in Kindergarten. Gina said, yep. Hmm. Heather has two mommies. There's other ones out there, too. Yeah. So, okay, go ahead, read the scripture. Using your favorite translation. Okay. Paul writes, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral people. I did not mean all, I did not at all mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or with idolaters, for then you would have to go out of the world. But actually, I wrote to you not to associate with any so-called brother. Yep. If he is an immoral person or covetous or an idolator or a reviler or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church? But those who are outside, God judges. Remove the wicked man from among yourselves. Yep. 
And that's what we're doing. We're judging inside the church. At least that's what that's my intent when I do this. Yeah, your whole presentation wasn't to condemn those yeah. in the sin, but to show those who are have been brainwashed or being right. <laughs> brainwashed or be you know are being um, whatever marketed to what the marketing tactics are to raise awareness, not to though of you know not to point out and condemn those doing the marketing but bringing awareness to those are being who are being marketed to and especially believers this is a message to believers um, yeah to yeah pastor garrett says christians uh have a responsibility to judge sin with the goal of restoration in mind galatians 6 1 right Amen. bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of christ i think that's what galatians 6 1 says right if i'm remembering it um yeah, exactly. You know, and, but that passage you quoted, that that 1 Corinthians 5 passage, you may as well cut that out of your Bible, okay? Because don't, you know, you do not want that passage in a liberal church <laughs> where they're advocating for that. I mean, it's like, oh, no, you know. I, I mean, we, we I, I know our time's up, but, you know, Randall and I, we, we had a dear friend who was on a worship team at a previous church who was he would got engaged and then he decided he was going to live with his fiance before he got married. And we used that passage to discipline him and say, you know what, dude, look, we love your brother, but you know, we can't fellowship with you if you're going to do this. And he actually left the church. He eventually married the woman, fortunately. And then he was reinstated after he repented. But, but you know, but I remember the angst Randall and I felt because oh, he's one of the nicest guys I know. And yet here he is blatantly living in sin you know, well, we don't want to call it that, though, you know, because, but what, this is what the Bible said, that's completely uncomfortable to endorse, to, to enforce, you know, and. Sure, especially in today's secret sense of movement, where it's, you know, invite yeah. everybody in, and, you know, unbelievers, sinners of all kinds, bring them into the fellowship, and it's, no, not at all, you know, we're to be going out into the world, you know, as, as Yeshua did. You know, he didn't invite he didn't invite unbelievers into the synagogue or anything like that. You know, he went out to where the you know where the the unbelievers, where those living in sin were. He got flack for it, of course, but um, you know that's that's the idea. You know, go into all the world, make disciples. Yep, and remember Romans, you know, eight twenty nine that we are being conformed to the image of Christ. That's the goal of the Christian. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing in us. When we read his word, we're being sanctified, just like Jesus prayed in John 17, I believe, where he talks, where he prayed that we would be sanctified in truth, his truth, and we would be set apart in his truth. That's why you don't feel like you belong when you're in this situation, because you don't. You're, you're an alien, Right? According to scripture, you're alien, you're you're just walking around in this world, you don't belong here. You feel like a weirdo because you are. <laughs> right? I mean, the more you see what the world's promoting, why would you want to be a part of it? Right? I mean, and don't forget this, you guys, and I'll end with this. Bible News Radio is Randall and me. We need your support. Uh if you actually think doing this is easy for me, it's not. I'm called to it, I'm being obedient to the Lord. But it is not easy because I get attacks and the devil attacks me. After after that last show I did, man, I got totally attacked. I could tell. I told Darren, I <laughs> I said, please, please pray for me because I'm I'm feeling the attack. Do you you do realize that Periscope, Facebook, and YouTube are not Christian networks, right? <laughs> right? You do. You do realize that, right? So you do realize that all the other networks I put this show on are not Christian, right? <laughs> So support our show. If you're a believer, throw some money in the in the basket, if you will, and support the show so that we can keep doing this and boost this show on Facebook and let more people see it. Because people aren't going to hear it in the church because, frankly, the church doesn't want to talk about it. Uh, so this is what I'm doing. I'm here. Hey, I'm over here. <laughs> Got a little bullhorn trying to yell this message out, get it out there, but we need help to get it out there further. You know what, take, you know, take aside 10, 15, 20 bucks, you know, all that junk food you're buying or whatever, that movie that the world just made for you, take it, put it here so that we can get the good news out, not the bad news. All right. You join me in the mission. Can I count on you? Okay. 
All right, so tomorrow we will um, continue to look at some news. In fact, there's a cult out there who has been in Walmart recently trying to get converts. Um, I, I saw this story yesterday. I'll share it with you tomorrow and uh, some other things. So, uh, you know, and also join our email list at BibleNewsRadio.com. Text me at 33222, the term Bible News. And also, if you're, on, if you're already on my text message list, send me a text to the one I sent today and tell me who you are. That way I know who you are on there. I, I know half of you on there. I don't know the other half. Um, that way I know you're on there. Um, and then pray for us, if you don't mind. Okay? Pray for us. Because I need it. Trust me on that. Um, and, uh, and then go with God. Remember, people, be bold, stand up, and go with God. Because he loves you. He really does. And he's one. So we have that on our side. Uh, we just got to get bold enough to go tell people. So we'll see you tomorrow. And uh, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it.